Hi, I'm James Crichton, and this is Actors on Process. Today is Monday, September 14th, and today's guest is Daniel Jenkins. Today's episode was recorded in person in December of 2019, and as I re-listened and edited this episode, in preparation for today's release, it was such a pleasure remembering a time when we were able to do something as simple as having a face-to-face conversation. There's something so gratifying about connecting intimately, and I think it's one of the things we're all missing so deeply six months into this ongoing pandemic. So maybe this conversation will help to fill a void. We talk all about his growing up as a self-proclaimed nerd, all things having to do with Big River the musical, dancing with Rebecca Tashman, growing up as an apprentice at the Actors Theatre of Louisville, and more as we navigate Danny's incredible resume and life so far in the theater. Please follow me on Instagram, at Actors on Process. Rate and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And without any further ado, I'm so pleased to present Daniel Jenkins. Summoning force of a mutual friend, Lee Harrington. Lee, Lee. So, Lee, if you're listening, <laughs> this one is also for you. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, why don't you start us off and tell me a little bit about where you grew up and who you were as a kid? Wow. Well, you take. Well, first of all, how's the coffee? It is like fantastic. Really important to me. You made you me like a beautiful coffee. cappuccino, okay. and I thought that it was a modern dancer. And no, I thought and it, thought it was, was a cat pooping. A cat pooping. So, yeah. Yeah. to each his own. Latte art. Mm-hmm. Um, where I grew up, I was born in New York. Uh, my father is an actor. Uh, we moved around a lot. I ended up in Kentucky and Ohio on a farm in Kentucky and then finished high school in Ohio where my folks went to college at Yellow Springs, Antioch in Yellow Springs. Um... Then I came to New York. Wow. Oh no! Then I went to then I went to Louisville. I was there for two years, an apprentice, a company member, and then I came to New York. But you were born in Manhattan. I was, yeah. So I've always felt a, a kind of kinship with the city. Uh, uh, my uh, grandparents on my uh, mom's side uh, were here, so my grandmother lived two blocks from here. Yeah. yeah. And you were where were you raised before you moved again? Like. Um, well, we were only here six months. Six months. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, you know, we were in the VW bus going across country and going to different theaters and San That's Francisco, it was. It was traveling for New Haven. Acting. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then we ended up in Louisville uh, for a few years where my dad was uh, uh, starting a, a company with John Jory uh, at Actors Theater. Um, well, the company existed already in the old train station. They moved to the bank where they are now, and Dad was there for 15 years, uh, writing and uh, directing and acting mostly. Uh, 
And then we moved to a farm uh, in southwestern Kentucky um, a few years after uh, we were in Louisville for a while. Um, uh, and I was there for six years. And so this was not like, did you always kind of know that you were going to follow? In no the, idea. No. You had no idea. No. No. What were you up to? I was, uh, you know, on a farm you look for things to do. I, yeah. I picked up a lot of instruments and learned how to play them uh, with absolutely no discipline or desire to practice, uh, <laughs> which I maintain to this day. And what were those? Uh, just a bunch of, I call them kitchen table instruments. So uh -huh. my folks were very much into like early Appalachian folk stuff. Um, so... Yeah, we all would play and sing around the kitchen table. It was cool. very uh, Waltons, I guess, except without the, the John Boy part. And, uh, -huh. uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, when do you think that you caught the bug? The bug, the bug, I would say, really didn't happen until I moved. So I finished uh, high school in Ohio in Yellow Springs. The school system in Kentucky was okay. not the best. They were really lovely, wonderful people, um, but there wasn't a lot of academic challenge. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I moved up to where my mom at that point had uh, moved my folks split. And uh, my mom was living in Yellow Springs, back where uh, she went to college, uh, helping one of their elderly teachers, actually, uh, from back in the day. And yeah, so I went to high school there, and uh, big, big, huge props to my drama teachers in high school in Yellow Springs doing uh, musicals and then plays at the college and plays at the community theater. Wow. So, so it really started around high school. Totally. Yeah. And what, were you, what shows were you doing? All sorts Do you remember? of stuff. Yeah, of course. I remember them all. And, and they are probably my favorite shows because of that, you know, like... Yeah. When you do Oklahoma in high school and the Fantastics and, you know, Charlie Brown and yeah, Once Upon a Mattress and it's like, wait, I, I, I am somehow, you know, emotionally attached to Once Upon a Mattress. Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they have a way of just... Yeah. I have friends who went to summer camp. We all went to like a theater summer camp too, which is actually, I still work at this camp now, like oh, wow. decades later. But... Um, and I have friends who went there kind of just to try it out for, like, fun. And they are by no means still in theater. They just, like, took theater for one summer. Right, sure. And they're, like, teachers now. And, and I bumped into them locally, like, around the holidays. And, and I said to them, like, you know, how are you? How are things? And they say, you know, of all the shows, I remember one friend in particular was in Anyone Can Whistle. Oh, wow. And she was like, do you know I still remember every word mm. to Anyone Can Whistle from mm. doing it in fifth grade? Wow. Like as a non-performer, like to this day, and I'm like, that's kind of a really cool, yeah, it thing does that you uh, just have, yeah, it imprints and stays with you. Mm -hmm. And now that I think of it, I did, I did go to a, a, a arts and music camp too you when did? I was in Kentucky. Okay, I went to one in New Jersey called Apple Farm, still there, beautiful, huge music festival every wow. summer. Yeah, so I was there for a couple of years. And too. so you didn't discriminate. You were doing plays, you were doing musicals, yep. you were doing anything that you could perform in. Yeah, but it wasn't like, oh my gosh, if I don't do this, I'll die. I think, honestly, in high school, it was about fitting in, and I wasn't a jock. I I loved uh, schoolwork, actually. I Me liked too. doing that. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that I didn't function in that sphere. 
But I was not cool. I was super nerdy. Mm -hmm. I think I even wore like a scarecrow hat for almost an entire year. Like a felt uh, gray scarecrow. I think there's a picture in a yearbook of me with this hat on. It just felt right. It just felt like if I'm going to be a nerd, I'm going to be the nerdiest nerd. So you were fully committed even? I was fully committed before, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. See, I was a little shyer than that. Yeah. I'm but kind of impressed. I, I think I felt like, yeah, thank you <laughs> for the scarecrow validation. But I think I wanted to get along with all of those people too. I didn't want to judge the jocks. I didn't mm. want to judge the really pretty girls or the whatever. I, I wanted to you know be able to talk to all of them and yeah. somehow drama was like so non-threatening uh-huh. <laughs> it was the same with our school yeah we just kind of coexisted yeah in this magical way but yeah. so when did you then i want you to talk about the actress theater of louisville definitely oh. so you were an apprentice yeah but i have very early theater memories from there too i saw my dad do you know, uh, uh, so many. I saw him do Cyrano and 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 Hamlet and McMurphy and Cuckoo's Nest and wow. you know, and McMurphy and Cuckoo's Nest was a real big one. I think I was like ten oh or eleven. <laughs> I was very young, and you know, and there's my dad getting you know electrocuted at the end, uh, uh, and and it was a, a wonderful production. Um, and everyone leapt to their feet, and I was sobbing. Yeah, you know, and I think there was a obviously a, a mix of that's my dad, and also what a powerful story. You know, I just believed I just believed that story so completely, and the fact that it was my dad that it was happening to. I think anyway, I couldn't get out of my seat. I yeah. was just destroyed, and not not dramatic way, and yeah, in a good way. I I remember thinking, oh, this is really powerful. Wow. So I have a lot of memories of that and going backstage and just kind of the smell and the feel of backstage, which to this day, Mm -hmm. I just, it blows me away. And I'm old. I go backstage and I just feel like this is the most magical place in the world. I know. And I've worked at this theater. I know. And it feels different and special, Mm -hmm. you know. I can still remember like the smells from the community theaters I grew up at. Yeah. It's amazing how distinct it lingers. Yeah. And then I apprenticed at that theater. Right. So I, anyway, I looked at colleges and I, I loved academia. I, nothing called to me college-wise. Nothing said, this is where you're supposed to be. And uh-huh. I got into some wonderful places and I didn't feel the love, you know? And got I was it. like, I don't know. Maybe I guess I'm not doing this. But you did audition for programs or was it strictly academic? Academic. No, I loved uh, American history, all of which I've forgotten. Um, I love, I loved everything that I did yeah. in high school. Um, but yeah, more school was just going to have to wait, and and uh, I latched onto the idea of auditioning for the apprentice program, got in, and um, then I got to walk in those spaces that I had walked when I was a very little kid Mm -hmm. and I just felt like I'm the luckiest person in the world what is that I'm sure it's it's changed over the years but I know the program is still thriving yeah and it's a huge theater like mega site but for you what was a day in the life as an apprentice 
It was class in the morning and uh, usually a, a lot of work. Uh, for me, I really liked, actually I helped them build their new scene shop in the summer before I went, just as a job job. Yeah. So the guy who ran the, uh, the shop was like, I think I'm going to take Danny because he knew I could, whatever, use a nail gun. And, uh-huh. um, so I did a lot of shop, but you do all of the things. You do box office and costume and, you know, lights. And, Get your hand in everything. Yeah. And that's, I think, super valuable. Yes. And not everybody gets to do that in school because they're so focused on... Performance. Yeah, the performance part. And so you are also in the plays? Uh, back then, I think you might get cast in two main stage things. Uh, there were also presentations that you got to do at the festival, which was enormous. Because mm-hmm. that was an international stage. And, yeah. and the stuff that we did was actually pretty decent. And there was a lot of writing going on. So I think I started writing uh-huh. then. Uh, I'm not an amazing writer, but I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, plays. Uh, or plays, music. Or... Uh, wrote, I wrote some music, too, I think, for the, the company. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was just, there was so much creativity in that place. It was really dripping off the walls at that point. All you had to do was kind of wipe your hand off and slap it on a page. It was just like wow. so many people came through there. Amazing, <laughs> amazing people came through. You got to watch, you know, they had the shorts festival back then. You could 17 plays and in one weekend you could see. Right. So just the amount of work and you would do, you would sit in the room as a stage manager assistant uh, and witness what's happening. Yeah. You know, uh, watch how people decide to make mistakes for three weeks and then choose their greatest hits. You know, mm-hmm. people would work like that, or right. people would be more safe and, and craft it in a different way. And right. I, it was just, you know, an amazing uh, experience. So this and, is sort of yeah. your kind of actor tool belt. It was, was, yeah. And then I then I actually was asked to join the company, which was, uh, you know, when you're an apprentice, that doesn't that doesn't get any better. No. Of like, and it's all downhill from here. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so you were there, but you were there for two years. Two years, yeah. And so talk to me, how do we get back to New York for Big River? Um, actually, I think what happened was I did a movie. I'm trying to think of the timeline now. Well, in between those two years, I did a play um, slash musical with Wendy Kesselman. And I think that's where I started to get my equity card. Uh-huh. Um, and then perhaps uh, got the rest of my card during... Um, uh, my company member year at ATL. Um, yeah, and then I came up to New York to audition for an Altman movie with hmm. Cynthia Nixon, where we my audition was uh, to dance with Cynthia and say words that began with the letter A. <laughs> Apple. Yeah, yeah. And what was, was uh... and that was it, and it was a movie called O.C. and Stiggs, uh, to uh, from a National Lampoon uh, magazine. Uh, Bob called it a, an adult exploitation movie, um, and it was wacky, wacky, but it was amazing. I played O.C. and I was in a lot of the scenes and had like all these incredible people around me and. 
a lot of time in front of the camera. Wow. But the big, big thing of that was that I got an agent. Uh-huh. So uh, they had, I had to have an agent to kind of like, ooh, what's, what is all this? Right. Uh, um, and they did that uh, and negotiated that. And, um, and then I came to New York. And I came to New York with like a little bit of money and uh, an agent, which was just like crazy, uh-huh. insane. Right. And couldn't get a job. You know, uh, auditioned and auditioned, and I think I did a little job somewhere, uh, maybe in Philly. Um, like a, yeah, th- a theater job. Yeah, a theater job, but it was slow. And so I actually went back to Louisville mm. to do the festival and do these amazing plays. I uh, was really happy to be there, and then um, got a call to uh, come to New York. To audition for Big River, which I think I had auditioned for before when they did mm. it in La Jolla. La Jolla, okay. And, and they'd done it at ART before that. I wasn't in that. I did an audition for the one in La Jolla. Didn't get it. So, you know, I thought, we went on, as you do with your life. Yeah. And then went to Louisville to do these plays. And then they wanted to have me in to read for the one in New York. And I was like, eh, all right. I mean, I already didn't get it once, but. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> sure. I'll but my watch. question is when you first. Uh, what was given to you? Was it like, please just read the script? Or were any, was there a way to listen to any of the music beforehand? Or? There wasn't. Back then, there was not like right. an MP3 or anything. Um, and certainly not like, here's a cassette. It was, here's yeah. the music. And figure it out. Yeah, I think Danny Trube probably sat with me and ran through some of it. And it was very accessible to me growing up. I was going to say, this yeah. sound of you and your family growing up. Yeah, the yeah. Instrument, it must have felt like a... A true match. Totally. And the fact that I sing almost completely through my nose, I think probably... Well, it's not sound that way. I (laughs) love that album. That's the kind of musical for me that I always sort of treasured growing up. Hmm. Some of the other sounds of musicals... I love all musical theater, but the ones that I think really like hit me in a way feel like Big River, Floyd Collins. Like those, like violet, like the ones that feel sort of like folky and earthy, and oh, uh-huh. I just love the sound of it, and and I wonder if you can sort of talk about like being so young and sort of leading yeah. a company. What yeah. did that? Gosh, that's a good question. I don't know. I like in in high school. Maybe I hadn't even thought about this, but I loved making food and having people over, right? Mm. Whatever, I would throw dinner parties yeah. and I would have people over. And I actually, at that point, was living with, uh, I was a roommate, uh, had a roommate at that time mm-hmm. in, in high school. So I kind of was living a, a whatever, semi-adult life in high school, um, making really stupid decisions. Uh, <laughs> uh, so don't get me wrong there. But um, yeah, so my high school friends would come over and also these grown-ups would be there. and. I loved that. I loved I loved having people at my table and I still do. So I think in a way that was very similar. Hmm. Like I think I don't know where the confidence came from. I think you just have to pretend to be confident and sometimes that translates. That makes it happen. Um, mm-hmm. I did feel very comfortable in what I was doing for a number of reasons. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was connected actually to the river also because I did a, uh, I actually did like this weird 
NEA grant thing when I was 16 where wow. we went down Mississippi on a raft. So I was like, I think <gasps> I was supposed to do this. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, so I had like all these wonderful things to draw from. And actually, I didn't tell them that during the audition because I think wow. they would have thought I was right, lying, lying or just a, a freak. So, yeah. Whoa. I know. I know. Well, I mean, it really is such a, a, a hand in glove. Like, it was just, it's, and like, I watched the Tony performance a lot. And it's really, it, it's so moving. Like, that, it's such no, a, that's, that's just terrifying. That's what that is. <laughs> I'm glad terrifying. you're moved. But <laughs> Do we, if, you were, if you were to sit in front of it and watch oh, it. Oh, I would have my head between my knees. Why? Oh, because, it's, you know, yeah. Because it's you. Yeah, because it's you. It's like listening to your own recorded voice. Don't do that. Oh, which is just a nightmare a for idea. me personally. Oh, God, but... yeah. Editing, you're like, ooh, no. But sometimes <laughs> I've found that if I give myself distance, uh-huh. I can look remotely fondly on it. But if right. it's too recent, there's no way I could watch it. But you think still to this day, if you were to watch it. I have to say, my the distance part of it is people like you coming and saying that they listened to that and that it meant something to them. That's the that's the warmest thing that can possibly happen is that wow that this this recording and and it is really like the recordings that that impact people's lives uh, uh, so because yeah. not everybody gets to that show no or can or wants to or why would you i mean and and the you know the Lincoln Center recording versions are, are, you know, what they are. Wow. It's, an, it's not a live experience. Right. But the recording somehow seems like it's for you. And, mm-hmm. and Yeah, everybody has their own kind of magical experience with it. But Right, with all of those recordings. Well, yeah. then my next question sort of takes us then in 2003 to yeah. step back into the world of the piece. Right, yeah. Um, so maybe you could just explain that. You, you were involved in the Deaf West production. Right. Almost 20 years later. Right. And can you just explain what your capacity was in that production? Yeah, I mean they they wanted me to come in to to talk to them about that and and, and honestly I thought it was like uh, I'm not sure I want to be a gimmick, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of repeat something maybe not as well, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't want nostalgia <laughs> to get in the way of Well, right. Yeah. But I, I got in the room with them and immediately fell in love with all of them. Um, Ed and Linda from Deaf West and, you know, Jeff Calhoun, who lives block away. And, um, you know, I was like, and here's another thing that I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I was, um, I was voicing everything that I had said 20 years ago and sang 20 years ago. I was voicing basically in half light, dressed as Mark Twain, um, wow. for the brilliant Ty Giordano, who played Huck, uh, who signed uh, that entire performance center stage. So, you know, the deaf community had a lead actor uh, to watch, you know, yeah, as well as everyone else in the cast who was either uh, signing or being signed for or shadowed or lots of different solutions for how to bring that uh, center stage. And then as Mark Twain, I had to learn some sign language and, and do some narration that uh-huh. was kind of added. Uh, and then I I wanted to play, uh, uh, wanted to challenge myself a bit more. So they allowed me to play a number of instruments. Uh, in, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, which which just made me happy. Yeah. I'm sure it was just annoying for, for Steve Landau. 
Um, but <laughs> I loved getting to play harmonica for yeah. you know for, for government and you know and all, all these tunes that I you know I love these tunes so was it, it's fun to play them. If you could try to remember or describe what it was like stepping back into that material, what changed for you or what? I gotta say the experience of doing that was like a good example of living in the present because. Um, you know, it's a good question, and I and and I think the answer is like, oh, it was like when I did this back then. That that whole nostalgia thing was gone, G O N E, because wow. there was a lot of work to do uh, right there. There was a lot of focus because mm-hmm. I was interpreting Ty's performance. I wasn't right. just doing mine. Uh-huh. Um, the there was so much to do and such a rich and beautiful company to be a part of. It was about that. Wow. Yeah. So it really felt fresh. and Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Two distinct experiences. Completely. Wow. Yeah. Well, maybe we're going to go back in time a little bit. Okay. <laughs> and I want to hit Angels in America. Oh, uh, yeah. And I want to just talk a little bit about your experience as Prior Walter and finding was, yeah. who he is. That was... That was maybe even more than Huck. Huck felt like, okay, I have all these things in my life that I can apply to this character. Yeah. Um, um, that isn't me. Mm-hmm. Um, but how wonderful that I can take these things from my life and right. apply them. I got to work on Perestroika at Sundance uh, when they were developing it. Got it. Oscar and... Um, Tony were there with Perestroika, and I got the incredible honor of being able to read Prior. This is before uh, it was, you know, a uh, production um, that had been written for Stephen Spinelli. Right. Um, and it was as if someone handed me uh, an extension cord and said, uh, over there's the wall socket, and I plugged it into the socket, uh, and it just was who I was it was you know it just plugged into a part of me that felt incredibly accessible and I got a lot of permission from Tony which was really helpful um yeah so I had already fallen in love with Pryor um and of course Tony's remarkable writing I mean the beginning of Paris Reika was a speech by the angel um I think originally, and it was 25 pages long. Wow. That speech that Surrette Scott did, and Oscar said, all right, I guess we're going to do the speech. Stand on the table, Surrette, and give it to us. And she was amazing. Is amazing. Yeah. 25 pages. 25 pages, and you were there for every page. I mean, yeah. Oh, my gosh. No, it was, yeah, it was awesome. And so that was developed, and then it opened in New York. The yeah. Part. So and it was a few months between Millennium and Perestroika, right? Or was it a year? Uh, or uh, Good question. I'm not sure what the rotation was initially, was but I think you're right. I think, but I think Millennium played for a while, and then Perestroika, opened. and then uh, it, once Perestroika opened, they did it in rep. Yeah. And so about And how... I did like the last six months. That was my question. Wow. And my son was born then, and we got to... Walk him across the Walter Kerr stage. Which is yeah. my favorite Broadway theater. Oh, is it? Why? I don't know how to describe it to you. I guess it's such a dumb thing because I'm not buying 
a theater. But you know the expression mm. like when you buy a house and just feels right when you get there. Wow. I don't know if it's a combination. Flashback on like, this like 25 years later. Right. Yeah, so I thought I'd buy the world I bought the world That's By I'm, golly, I did. That's where I'm living now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm renting the balcony. But I... I don't know. I, th- I don't know if it's like the lineage of the both plays and musicals that have been there yeah. and the, the work that I've seen there. A lot mm. of my favorite shows have happened mm. there. And then sort of like ideas of things I haven't seen but I've only read have played there. And I always am kind of curious as to what. And like I haven't seen Hades Town yet, but I love the score and like I imagine it sitting so beautifully. I don't know. I just love that yeah. place. It yeah. feels so intimate. Yeah, it's very warm. Uh, and like I feel like no matter where you sit you kind of have a good view yeah, yeah I don't know enough about the Walter Kerr but that's awesome um, it's a beautiful place but a magical experience I mean yeah. absolutely uh, huge the biggest honor of my theatrical career and, for sure. and when you were doing that like is that something I mean it's a major replacement is that something like you would work with director George C. Wolf on or is that sort of like the stage managers guiding you through or it was you know uh, I, I got a session with George but um uh, and and I asked to speak to Tony, and I, I sat down with Tony just to kind of go through stuff, but mostly stage manager put Julianne. Uh-huh. Yeah. And did you join the pre-existing company, or a lot yeah. of you added? In? Oh, I think Cherry Jones came aboard then. Uh, trying to think if anyone else came in right then. I think Kevin may have already been there, but maybe. So there was like a bit of a turnover. Yeah, there was a little bit of turnover there. Got it. And then Cynthia actually came. <laughs> Uh, uh, was she in that already? I think wow. she might have been in it already. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, so and we had done this thing when we were teenagers. Full you know? circle moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, your resume is kind of stacked with like both like non-dancing musicals and then like plays. But now we go to big for a second. And you were moving. I was moving. A lot. Yeah, I was moving a lot. My, my, my movement story about that is... Yeah, tell me. So there was... I think I was doing Angels when I auditioned. Yeah, I was. Yeah, and I had to do some, you know, whatever round of auditions this was for, <laughs> for the lead in this. And it was on a small theater because they wanted to see, if, you know, my personality came across the footlights. And I was like, I'm doing Angels down the street, but but whatever. Okay, cool. <laughs> but no, I, God, I loved Mike Ockrent so much. I just, I just, uh, you know. I still mourn his passing because he was a brilliant, funny, generous, amazing human being. Wow. Um, he, uh, we, we were in an elevator with Stroh, Susan Stroman, uh, and it was in the middle of all these auditions. And Mike said, Danny, do you dance? And I, there was a couple other people in the elevator too. And, and, uh, and, I, and I took a breath and I looked at him and I said, no. <laughs> and then someone in the elevator said, um, I think you're supposed to say that you move well. <laughs> Just to lighten it up. And I, and I looked at him and I said, I think in this particular case, I'm, I'm supposed to say no. <laughs> so poor Susan yeah. Stroman was saddled with a, a, a non-dancer for sure. And I love to dance. I actually, it's one of my yeah. favorite things to do. But I'm just not great at it. No, but no. I, 
think that you're a wonderful dancer and like you're so like in your body and like I, I mean from the clips I've seen we have to give again I don't know you're probably not watching clips. but we have to give thanks to YouTube <laughs> sensation Aurora Spider-Woman I don't know if you've ever wow. caught Aurora okay. Spider-Woman's footage but I'm terrified just thinking of it don't look okay but um there's a couple of clips of that and then of course there's like the Tony performance but yeah, yeah. you are so in your body and moving it's oh, like no, really... I had a, and an amazing time and I had like you know 13 year old kids around me just showing me up and showing uh-huh. me how and showing me you know for everything. sure yeah. well I mean this was was it almost like a decade since Tom Hanks film had come out or good question I, I don't feel like know it was like answer. 980 I don't know but yeah was that Again, did you have to kind of just create a blank slate? No preconceived notions of... I mean, I loved the movie. I remember when I had seen the movie. And it's just one of those really good movies that kind of weirdly holds up. Um, But I didn't reference it again. I didn't go back and look at it again. So it was an initial watch and then... Yeah, I had seen it, you know, when it had come out. um, And was a big fan. And, uh, you know... And the rest is history. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. But, you know, my favorite memories of that is in Detroit, you know, uh, hanging out with the kids, eating pizza and playing video games. I mean, that's my research. Right. Uh, It's hard, deep, hard, deep. Hard work. Yeah. Wow. Lots of digging emotionally. No. Pizza and video games. Really fun. Yeah, it's super fun. Wow. I love that. Well, now we're going to jump around a little bit. Okay. Keep you on your toes. Wow. We're going to go to 2012. Okay. Merrily we roll along. Oh wow. Where I medley playing her flute. <laughs> but I have to say, yeah. I as a pianist, mm. I am always really moved by the John Doyle approach. Mm. I think there's something really emotional about the storytelling aspect happening on so many levels. Yeah. I'm so impressed with the functionality of these performers and I literally I'm putting this out into the universe would love to do that one day I think it would be the biggest challenge to do but I want to know what to play to play an instrument on stage in one of like his shows yeah wow but I want to know and I I I have spoken to Lee about this but I'm interested in your perspective of first of all actually what instruments did you play any instruments in it yeah I played uh, mostly I played trumpet I did some percussion uh, which I really enjoyed as well uh, I think that's it. And there might have been another thing. Oh, mandolin. Yeah. But you're, what, what also blows my mind about these productions is that you're off book, not only on your text and your oh, yeah, it's crazy. But you're off book for no, your so music. So we start, so we start with band practice and it's the most fun ever. It's so it like, is fun. Oh yeah. It's okay. like, it's like band practice with all of the people that you wish were in band with you. Right. You know, it's, it's an acting company, Right. Uh, yeah, and there's Becky Baker, like, you know, I think I'll pay the, play the triangle. And she plays the crap out of that triangle. And, you know, and, and then Malcolm Getz, who was like plays a piano. really beautiful piano player. Yeah, and then Matt Castle, who's, you know, a super accomplished piano player and wonderful actor. Um, uh, you know, just everyone that was, Lenia right out, was gorgeous, uh, uh, a violin player and gorgeous everyone so so many um but yeah it was band practice and and my trumpet skills are kind of high school trumpet skills uh-huh. and dave gary can like play six thousand instruments and actually 
I, I, I have to show for him, go to his Facebook or whatever Instagram. He does that thing where you play an instrument and then you loop, you know, yourself. Oh, yeah. And he does, he, he'll do the Star Wars Orchestra. Oh, cool. I mean, I mean, it's in, insane. Wow. So Dave can hit those high C's and D's and all, right. and E's and everything up there. And I think I had to hit a B flat or maybe a C once, but, but, uh, yeah, it was a super stretch for me uh, musically, but I love that. Well, it seems almost like an impossible task. Totally, because not only yeah. are you going away and remembering all the actor things you have to do, yeah. but you're also literally memorizing Sondheim yeah. score. Yeah. And so what is this? What is the go away? Like, we're in rehearsal. We rehearse. Yeah. But I mean, in this instance, is there a lot of homework that has to happen behind the scenes? Yeah. I mean... I think John, in a way, discourages that kind of homework. Got it. Because he wants you to all find it together, what you're finding. And of course, everyone goes home and is like madly practicing their, their parts. Their instrument. Uh, yeah. But even that he doesn't care about so much. So wow. he's much more interested in what you were talking about earlier, this kind of connection between this the human and the instrument and how the, that layer is actually happening. And... and he'll way too soon uh, get rid of the music stands and he'll tell you to put your uh, music on the floor, but then he'll tell you to cross or, you know, give, occasionally he'll tell you where to cross, but mostly he'll say, find another place to be or whatever. (laughs) And you're kicking your music across the floor, trying, I need this. And he doesn't want you to need it. He wants you to just remember what you remember and, and, Find who you are in this moment. The and the music isn't secondary. It is certainly a part of it. But mm-hmm. um, he doesn't want it to clean. He doesn't want it to sound like a recorded orchestra uh-huh. playing it. He wants it to sound like a street band. And it does. <laughs> and it certainly did when I played trumpet. <laughs> but also, like when you listen to like the Sweeney recordings and other things, like they really do sound. It's, it's such a wonderful chamber sound. I really am such yeah. a fan of it. And I, I was in college when the Marley production happened. And when you're younger, I think we all tend to be braver mm. than we are as we get mm. older. Yeah. And I remember, like, in what world was I right for this? But I remember writing a letter. I think it was Telsey and Company being like. I would like to be considered for this. It was right. like, you're maybe a child and should not be auditioning well, for this. Good for you. Moment. But like, I was so, and so like, I stalked the hell out of this production on YouTube. Any clips I saw, I was like ravenous for it. And it looked so beautiful. Yeah. Such an amazing conceit. And I love that show. And you were Charlie. Yeah. It was super special, super scary. And also like, oh yeah, being scared is what it's about. Good. Yeah, yeah. Was that your I first I think Simon I shit show? my pants every time. I did Franklin Shepard. I think I sharted every night. And I honestly, <laughs> I can't even laugh with you because I did Sweeney a couple summers ago yeah. in like a summer stock production. Yeah. And Toby uh, has that song at the beginning uh, in Act One, like "Ladies and Gentlemen," but a lot, and it's yeah. really fast. And you know, one time you go out there, and like one word, it's like Shakespeare. Oh, one yeah. word is out of place, and every night I would literally yeah. be in the wall saying. Like, yeah. You have to say all the lines. You get in these scary, superstitious oh, modes yeah. of, if I say it right in the wing, then I guess when I'm on stage, it'll be right. Yeah. And when the run ended, I literally said a prayer. I was like, thank you for letting right. me get through this song. But there's something also 
so exciting about digging into it and yeah thank god yeah. you didn't have and, to play like, piano with it and i know poor matt castle had to memorize that and it it's it's an impossible and sondheim and his brilliance is written like a nervous breakdown on the piano as well and and matt was very close to that he was amazing and truly... he learned how to forgive himself but he was also like i want to get this right and yeah. Okay. So I'm sure I never got that right, but I uh, I sure enjoyed it. Well, I'm glad we dug into Merrily. I mean, uh, I had to talk yeah, about yeah, it, but yeah. I think the same year now, aside from the world premiere at the Goodman, you did the Playwrights Horizons production of Stage Kiss. Oh, yeah. With, with Jessica, Jessica Hecht. And I want to know if you can describe working with a woman I love, Rebecca mm. Tashman. Oh, yeah. And sort of how she maintains the rehearsal room during a new play. Gosh. Well, I imagine it's different for every piece she does. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was this was a pretty playful one. So I had a funny ritual with Rebecca. And almost every day I made her dance with me. Wow. Yeah. Which I think like horrified her and delighted her at the same time. <laughs> So I wasn't there every day. I think there were t- maybe rehearsals when I wasn't there. But, uh-huh. but yeah. And wow. and Sarah Rule is also just a, a, a personal queen of mine. Don't worry, we're going to get to her. Okay, good. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would say it was, it was playful and disciplined. Uh-huh. It was, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a very unusual play, I think, for mm. Sarah. Um, just tone wise. Yes. So kind of like just figuring out where does all this live was really interesting. But mm-hmm. mostly it was just trying not to crack up. And and Michael Cyril Crichton and, and Jessica, oh my God, just just standing and witnessing that yeah. was worth the price of admission. I yeah. know, and I'm so mad I didn't see it. Ugh. Just I really I'm tried already to see Already just laughing, just thinking about the two of them on the couch together. I just remember reading yeah. such amazing things about the play and seeing the clips that playwrights mm. posted on YouTube and being so mad that I, for whatever reason, I don't know. There are so many clips out there. Yes. This is horrifying. This is terrifying. I know though. you don't watch, but I've seen <laughs> all the clips. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, no. Okay. But um, I want to know, because you later collaborated again with Sarah Rule yeah. at Playwrights Horizons. Yeah. And I want to know what appeals to you so much about her beautiful writing. I think, well, Sarah's a poet. Right. And um, I don't think you would necessarily pick that up from her plays. Maybe you would. Something like Eurydice or things. Yeah. Yeah. An oldest boy, I think maybe Mm. also. But, But yeah, I think there's just a really, really deep river in that woman and um i want to sit by that fire you know because i feel like i have a lot to learn from her for sure yeah yeah and what's so amazing about her writing i guess maybe it it is that poetry aspect of it too is it also is its own singular experience just reading it yeah totally just on the page is its own beautiful experience i know it's true i can't remember who i was talking to oh i was talking to my friend melissa vanderscape my writing partner um, um, about page dynamics mm. about like oh how do you pick up 
what this is supposed to be from the page because mm. you know you always worry about that if, with a live thing mm -hmm. this is not actually meant for the page it's meant for the stage uh -huh. and how do I make that as clear as I can and how I put a space there or yeah. you know and Sarah's very good at that yeah and I think that's a part of that is uh, her training as a poet or practice as a poet as well yeah yeah, I'm excited to see whatever's next. Yeah, man. But I'm hungry for it, whatever yeah. it is. And that, and it's your output is just insane. I know. I mean, Constant. books and essays. Mm -hmm. Letters with Max, if you haven't read that. Wow, I haven't. Oh, gosh, almighty. Yeah. Add it yeah. to the Christmas list. Yeah, totally. Um, we're going to, again, skipping around slightly. Go nuts. Don't worry, we're almost at the end. You're doing so well, magically okay. well. Okay, I'm trying to keep it oh, you're, tight for you. You're fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Golden Boy. Yeah. Bridges of Madison County. Yeah. And Oslo. Yeah. What do all three of these things have in common? They're all directed by Berkshire. Did I get it right? Ding, ding, ding. Yes! I'm wondering if you can just talk a little <laughs> bit about the benefit of forming a relationship with a director and what that shorthand kind of transcends throughout each experience. Um, yeah. It's a, the shorthand. Um, or whatever. Or benefit. I mean, it's trust. It's about trust, right? Mm -hmm. So, so, yeah. I'm trying to think what came first. Actually, I think Bridges came first. Doing workshops at Bridges. Mm. Um, and then Golden Boy. Uh, and then Oslo. Yeah, and I think it's about trust and it's about taking risks and about being honest um, and Bart has those things in spades, you know, I think he really trusts his players. Mm. Um, I think he's really honest with himself. He calls himself on his own bullshit, like way more than anyone else. will. <laughs> he does this wonderful thing where he says, ah, oh, that's too square. And, and basically what that means to me is that he thinks he's built something that works and that's not enough for him. And mm. I just, I'm like, damn, that is, that's the way to be. Yeah. Right? And so, and that's where the risk comes in. And then he'll look for the thing that is off about it, that will actually illuminate it. Mm. Um, a remarkable amount of respect for that man and, and gratitude for, you know, being a part of uh, some of his work and, and, and JT writing also, that was a really good combo because JT, I think, worked a lot in the same way. He 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 thinks as an actor and a writer, mm. uh, he he somehow took that that story and made it funny. Um, well, what was so I hate that I just interrupted you, but no, what was so no remarkable to me about Oslo was it clocked in at about almost three hours. Mm -hmm. But what the experience of Oslo felt like was that it was about 45 minutes. Good. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I yeah. don't, I, I honestly don't I mean, know. It was what four kind hours of... when we sat down at first, and the, the first, I don't know what the first preview was, probably three and a half, but when we first sat down, it was good fat four hours, and we were like, what are we cutting? I mean, it was all good, kind of like Tony's 25 page monologue. monologue. Honestly, it just felt. Well, actually, this is a good segue into what I wanted to talk about next, was just you started in the smaller venue downstairs, right? At yep. the Mitzi Newhouse. 
And it was that where it was clocking in at about three and a half. I so. don't know, actually. I think I think uh, no. I think by then we'd we'd cut it. I'm you talking when we first sat first sat down with it. And yeah, it was four, but and, and loved. We all loved it. And it's loved it's each other and brilliant. laughed and yeah, yeah. And then I want to know if you could just sort of talk about. I know there was a brief pause in yep. between the before the Broadway transfer. Yeah. And sort of what was magical or what was illuminating about the time apart as you like deepened your work for the Broadway transfer? I don't think I deepened my work. I think that's a short answer. No. <laughs> it just... Um, <laughs> I consider myself supremely lazy. Uh, <laughs> I, I highly doubt that. Uh, yeah, a lot of people say that. Um, You're like, no, I am. No, I think I am. And I, I think that's honestly <laughs> to be not whatever I think that's what makes me want to try harder is that I consider myself lazy I totally get that but then what did it I guess because it, it is a bigger yeah space but how did the audience's sort of reaction change or did it say pretty similar depending on the size of the oh, house oh I mean, there were definitely a space dynamics and mm. um, actually the oh I'm, I'm forgetting her name who came in and worked with us uh, and it was lovely just about how to you know that space is not forgiving uh, uh, with um, acoustics, so you really do have to kind of know where to send your voice. And I loved that because back in my day, there were no microphones, and yeah. you you had to bounce your uh, your voice, uh, you know, at different angles and off a balcony rail, and right. you know, you you had to place it and push it and and you know make it ring in in different spots and so it was like returning to that because we had no microphones for that and you didn't for Oslo no and uh, wow. um, oh I think there might have been one effect microphone like a phone effect yeah thing uh, but otherwise you were not mic'd uh, gosh no I don't think so that's a no. crazy space because it feels so huge but also yeah. so intimate at the same time I don't yeah know. and and honestly when you sit in the audience it feels big huge and then you go out to the to the stage i remember doing tours with people yeah. afterwards the toilets not to be missed by the way um <laughs> uh uh but i would have them stand on the stage and and find their seat and and it looks like you know they're right there in your lap yeah. you know but uh, uh, but acoustically you do have to you have to work that space. work it yeah well i love that as a challenge too yeah yeah we're jumping again okay what attracted you to Kid Victory? Oh, you know, I think where I am right now is in a journey with parenthood and and uh, mm. and all the kind of ups and downs of what that means. And um, boy, was that a a, a wild uh, example of that. And yeah. and just to think that John Kander was was, you know writing music about that mm -hmm. I'm just about a lost person about a you know a, someone trying to figure out who he was mm -hmm. and um, I identified not just with that journey but with the the kind of parental reflection of that journey in a, in a child I found it incredibly moving and cathartic and wanted to you know, kind of sit in it and collect the wisdom from, yeah, from from uh, from John about that. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really incredible, and it 
uh, it almost feels like a play with music. Yeah, I th- I think and the play is is so so beautifully written and uh, it is unusual in uh, the fact that there was music in it. Yeah, yeah, right. you really think like, oh wait, we're gonna tap dance now. Yeah. That is messed up. And when I think about... <laughs> and wrong in a good way. And, and, and it's highlighting that thing, yeah. right, we were talking about earlier. It's like, oh, I'm going to take this emotion and I'm going to put it in my feet and I'm going to tap dance it out. And and it's, yeah. and you're going to think that is crazy and it makes this moment bigger. Yeah. And it's interesting yeah. because I feel like when I think about musicals, I don't necessarily like attach director Elisa Tommy to it. Mm. And I f- somehow feel like she was the exact perfect mm. Person. And I'm wondering, forgive my ignorance, maybe she has directed a lot of musicals in the past and I just don't know, but what was that rehearsal room like with her? As you... That was an intense room, man, because this was an intense subject. Yeah. And we all felt, you know, they had done it before a number of them, so they were already uh, kind of uh, in love with that, the, the richness of that material. Mm. Um but uh, yeah, it was oh, beautiful, painful, fun yeah. too. Yeah. The dancing and the you know the some silliness, but uh, yeah. And I think sometimes when you do dark stuff, you actually have lighter, you know, uh, release moments. For sure. Um, but yeah, that was an intense experience, front to back. Um, but uh, when we got into the theater. It was it was so fun to play too. It was just you know that the vineyard is so so intimate and yeah. talk about being in 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 your lap. I think in in the audience there you actually do feel like the stage is in your lap. Absolutely, in a way. No matter where you sit there. Yeah, yeah. What um, now? Just sort of like you in your personal life. Like, mm. how do you cope with both your personal life with your family? Working in a career that's not always the most stable. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I have been blessed with the reality of a father who's an actor, mm. right? So, I grew up with people from the theater coming over to the house in Louisville when I was a little, you know, first grader, and and uh, and those were the people that Dad worked with, and it was normal. Yeah. Um, so not that it was always easy because money was scarce and, uh, on the farm even more so. And, um, I do think, however, that I was given the gift of, oh, this is possible. And it gave me a lot of faith Mm. that, uh, you know, that the rejection and the, oh, maybe I need to say no to this so that I do something that's scarier, even though mm. it's, uh, this is a, a money decision. I mean, those, those decisions too, and you just have to make them. Of course. Uh, you weigh whether, oh, yeah, yeah, I have to do this to make the money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I had a, a wonderful example shown to me of a possibility of a life. Wow in the uh, performing arts what uh, do you think that you maybe you know or maybe people tell you do you have any weird quote unquote acting things that you do are you like 
somebody who like likes to say their lines out loud on the subway? Are you? Uh, yeah, I like I like I like working and reading on the subway. Mm-hmm. I find the light very good for my eyes. Yes, uh, it's like weirdly intensely blue and helpful. <laughs> um, weird acting things. I do love superstitions. Um, but kind of as a, a, a collector, uh, as much as anything, I like filling up my body with the theater somehow and connecting to something ancient. So, hmm. like sometimes before I go on, I'll kind of look up in the black at the lights and the flies and open my mouth and kind of let the um holiness of that space and the fact that it's not about me mm. kind of fill me up mm-hmm. I think of my dad too um, but I think of like of a way to kind of ground myself in a continuum as opposed to uh, bearing down on getting this right yeah you know mm-hmm. just allowing allowing the space and what has been there uh i just get to join that river i love that yeah yeah but wait you i, I have to say you what? you came here from something i did that i wanted to talk about sure um you're gonna do unknown soldier with michael friedman's music i am yeah at playwrights horizons congratulations thank you everybody yeah. should yeah. go see that thank and you. michael friedman was a very important person to me i he think was. i've done more of his music than anyone's music in my life you did yeah with civilians yeah for a number of years and he was an incredible uh, shoulder when i was having a really difficult time vocally um he was really there for me yeah. wow and the civilians work i've found to be some of the most rewarding work i've ever done wow yeah because you're plugging in i know and i'm a soldier is uh, slightly different but yeah i've done a lot of you know the uh, verbatim work and boy is that fun because you wow. plug into somebody else that uh, you get to remove yourself from the equation completely and the audience participates yeah. in in you as a character so much more because they know it's verbatim which ones did you do did uh, you i've do... done a handful i've done a bunch oh yeah, yeah yeah great started with great immensity okay uh, Paris Commune. Did you do um, any of the the new recordings for the? For yeah, I've done a couple. You did did. Uh, uh, the uh, the one about the the, the hockey uh-huh. team? The most uh, recent one that he had done, uh-huh. right? And we just uh, actually just recorded Paris Commune. Wow. Um, but yeah, uh, I congratulate wow. you. You're going to have a wonderful time. Thank you. Yeah, I, yeah, it's wonderful news. Thank you very much. I had. Uh, you know, I loved Blood by the Andrew Jackson and I had yeah. known so much of and like Love's Labors and a couple of other things, but I'd never met Michael and mm. um, Jess was actually super sweet about this news too. And, and she had said to me in so many words, like, you know, he would have loved you or he mm. would have this. And that really is so moving to me to hear people like talking about him. So I'm what I'm most excited about um, with it is getting to sort of feel a part of his yeah. humongous universe and legacy that he's sort of left behind. And I've been doing a lot of listening to those mm. recordings and just trying to sort of immerse myself in his world. So I feel yeah 
worthy of kind of being there. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really excited. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, it's sort of its own different beast. But, well, I have to end the way that I end every interview. Okay. And you may have already tapped into a little bit of this, but so forgive me if I ask again. But I end every interview with a love note from you Mm. to the theater. And the sub-question is, (laughs) what makes you keep coming back? And how and why does it continue to ignite your soul? Uh, so you're basically making everyone cry. Is that like the deal? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. A love letter <laughs> to the theater. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the theater did save me in a way. I don't, I don't know that I was hugely at risk. Um, except for, um, uh, an even deeper dive into nerddom. Um, but, uh, I think it also, theater, thank you for allowing me to kind of figure out who I am and Mm. to question who I am, um, question what I want, why I'm here. Um, and I question it a lot. I mean, I question, is this the right thing for me to be doing now? Am I still an actor? Am I, you know, I, I think the things that that we worry about as young people, we continue to worry about as old people. <laughs> not that I'm that old. old. Darn it. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I guess... I want to have the courage to keep looking for things that scare me. Um, I think that's where I move forward. If that was your question, I'm trying to remember the rest yeah. of the question. It can be interpreted any way you want. Yeah, well, clearly I'm doing that. Um, I'm, I'm just hugely grateful. I know, I know how stupid lucky I have been. I really do. I, um, I want to honor that uh, as best I can by working as hard as I can. Um, even though I'm incredibly lazy, um, I, uh, I am super aware of how lucky I am and super grateful for the opportunities I've had and continue to have in my life and in my relationships and in my work and, and meeting young people who, um, somehow connected to, (laughs) Mm -hmm old older things that meant a great deal to me is a, a, a very very flattering and